Gather your gear. It's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way, with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting, and a strange encounter. Climb aboard a cryptid camper if you're brave. Take it away, Shay. Live from our cryptid camper, I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend Tom. And we'd like to thank you for joining us for season one, episode 13 of Scare Your Pants Off, our American road trip. In today's episode, we set up camp in North Carolina. How are you doing, Tom? I am excellent. How are you? Unlucky 13. I'm super happy. I love 13's my favorite number. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm in heaven right now. I'm very happy. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Lucky number thirteen. I, I God, it's it's crazy. Thirteen episodes in. This is I I mean this is flying by. Um, it is. What's new? I don't know. You just just kind of like the normal Christmas prep and and everything like that. So um, just kind of going with the flow. Oh, you remember? Uh, Last episode or the episode before, I can't remember, but I told you about my son and I actually had our own strange encounter. Yes, yes, I did, but I do remember. So it was like a, just a string of lights, like three lights in the sky. I saw it and my son saw it and we both kind of were like, oh, what is that? And um, a couple of days later, it was actually explained. It was a SpaceX thing. It was something that was launched into space, something for the worldwide internet. I have no idea what's happening with it, what it was actually explained, and tons of people saw it, and were like, oh, what's that, but, so, yeah, I don't know, that, that's, that's that? crazy, though, that's really cool, though, when you think about, like, the whole space, you know what I mean, um, so, and that's, that's really cool, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, those whole, these billionaires going to space, I, I don't get it, it's not my thing, like, I, like, we kind of talked a little bit about it before, and, it's um i there's nothing more terrifying to me than just being in space that all of a sudden i don't know you have to do a spacewalk or something and then you just float away like that is the most that is the most terrifying thing in the world to me and i just i it's like we're dealing with forces we don't understand and i get that's how you 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 know that's how progress works you've got to explore do these things but I don't know. I mean, I let's let's yeah. figure out what's going on down here and try to fix what's happening here before we go fuck up a whole other region yeah. of the universe. You know, we know more about space than we actually do our own ocean. Yes. Like we know crazy. more about beyond our atmosphere than we do the depths of our ocean, which also terrifying, by the way. Also, not somewhere where I would want to be stranded or no. stuck. It's terrifying, but it's I I do I uh. I love the thought of progress. I do. I love technology. I love all that stuff. And and while I I think like the spacing is kind of cool, I almost feel like maybe that's a bear we shouldn't poke. It's I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm with you on that. And that's a great point about the ocean. And it's like they're always discovering new species down there because it's so hard to get down, especially when the ocean's like miles deep and shit. And it's like and these things are fucking crazy looking and just yeah. it's like. They have like I remember seeing one and it was just like this has like 
this really dark black, but it's like UV skin and it's others that are see-through and you can see their organs and just, or, or the blob fish that, cause down there because yes. of the pressure, it, it's normal down there, but when it comes up, it looks like a blob of, oh God, it just, yeah. So that's a great point. And I'm, I'm there with you. It's, I don't know if we should be poking that bear. I, I don't, I don't know. It's, but, uh, but that's really cool that you, you got an explanation yeah. for it. That's very cool. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what would happen to me if I was like deep in the ocean is I feel like I'm blob fishy now. And I just feel like if I went into the depths, maybe like, like some <laughs> shit would tighten up or I don't know what would happen, but like, I'm, <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like I'm the human embodiment of a blobfish sometimes, which is fine. I love blobfishes and I'm cool with it, but like I know I'm all like smooshy and it's fine. I think maybe in the ocean, yeah, I would, I would, I would normalize a little and I would just oh, hope that's... someone would have a camera to, to, to take a picture so I can see it. <laughs> but... That is funny. That's hysterical. <laughs> all right. Oh. So I'm oh, super right. excited because this has been a lot of fun research. I, Connecticut was hard research. I'm sorry, North Carolina was hard research, but man, it was fun research. Yes. Um, what do you got for me for a cryptid today? Time for the cryptid. Yeah, so that's a great point. It was hard research for some reason. It's a, to find super detailed descriptions and things of um, what we were looking for. But there's a lot of it there. It was just not a ton of detail. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, North Carolina has a ton of cryptids. I mean, they have mermaids, which I just love the idea of mermaids. Um, uh, the big cat, the Santer, or the Beast of Bladenboro, it's called. They have vampires, Bigfoots, uh, Normie. Uh, they're sort of Chessie or Nessie uh, in Lake Norman. Uh, they have the Moon-Eyed People of Appalachia, which are sort of like Pukwudgies. Um the fairy crosses they have i just love this one the wampus cat i love the word wampus that's a great uh, name i i agree <laughs> but i went with something different and uh, so have you ever heard of the siren of the french broad <laughs> um i'm a child i'm sorry you said broad and now i'm giggling um it's no i've never i've never heard of that sorry <laughs> well, go on i have the same thought i work with a guy he's like in his 70s and he doesn't mean anything by it but he'll call it like even his girlfriend yeah the broad and it just i i'm just like oh my god dude that's uh, that that word though is just very uh, charming <laughs> yes so all right so uh the siren of the french broad is said to be born from cherokee legend Living and frequenting the rocks east of Asheville, North Carolina, is Lorelei of the French Broad River. So, this stream contains many lots and lots and many pools, and uh, where the rapids whirl, they deepen, they make little nice little springs and pools and little areas to sit and everything like that. And so, many a traveler throughout the uh, the centuries has stopped in this area to admire uh, the beauty of the nature and to drink and bathe in the afternoon sun and enjoy this area. It's supposedly very, very pristine, very beautiful. Um, so at some point while this 
traveler is uh, enjoying the beauty and the, you know, the warm weather, he becomes conscious of a soft and beautiful music blending, sort of blending with the splash of the waves and the splash of the rapids. Um, and as the music gets louder and louder and more beautiful, the traveler looks down into the water because he's so transfixed by the beauty of this music, the beauty of the melody, that he looks down into the water because it, it, it almost seems like it's coming from the water. And then he begins to see, and usually it's, hard, it's just faintly at first, but then becomes more and more distinct. He begins to see this form of this beautiful woman. woman. And as she becomes more and more distinct, um, she becomes more beautiful to the point where it is the most beautiful woman he has ever seen in his entire life. Um, and at this point, the beautiful woman gets into his face and looks into the traveler's eyes, luring him closer. It's almost like she has this psychic power over him after she locks eyes. I mean, the mu he's already transfixed by the music and already sort of just all he can do is go towards the music. That's it. That's all he can do. But now she looks in his eyes and he is, it, it, it's like she has control over him at this point. Um, unable to look away and with the power of this attraction, the traveler lurches forward and closer to the woman. As he gets close enough to touch her, she reaches up to grab his hand. Only now, her arms are cold and slimy like serpents, and her face is morphed into this really uh, scary skull with a sinister grin. And she grabs his hand, pulls him into the water, and he's never seen again. Huh. And there's been supposedly many, many, this has happened many, many times over the centuries to many, many people. People um, people have sent out search parties, whatever, afterwards, because their friend never came back from a day out in there. And um, these people are never found. So that's essentially the story of this siren. But I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit about sirens because um, I think they're a little misunderstood, uh, right? It, it, in this day and age. So descriptions of sirens go back millennia. Originally, they were a hybrid of a bird and the female. Usually, in the earliest accounts, it was a it was a bird's body with a large woman's head, like oversized woman's head, uh, bird feathers all over the body and really scaly feet. They were said to be extremely ugly extremely not pleasant to look at later um yeah right i mean it's I, I, a lot of people i don't think a lot of people know this and then later they their represent uh representations had them um more of having the female body but uh legs of the bird usually with wings not always but usually with wings and usually they were playing a harp or a lyre. So, and originally, sirens could be male or female. 
but uh, male sirens uh, disappeared from the art record that we have around the the 5th century BCE, so before the Common Era. Um, this is also when they you started to see the, uh, different depictions, and you might see actually see these depictions of them as beautiful women whose beauty uh, matches the beauty of their songs and voice. So that's just, just wanted to throw that in about the siren. And that's the story of the siren of the French broad. So I, I've always loved like the lore of the siren. I love the stories. I love, uh, and it's funny. I, I never, I, I, until today, I'm today years old when I realized how little I actually knew. I never, I've only ever knew them to be beautiful and sound beautiful and then you know and female which really cool actually that they're not all female and I yeah I it's it's crazy I've, I'm again I'm 39 and I have never heard that they were anything but beautiful and and lovely sounding that's that's really 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 neat yeah it's so like i said i i i had known for a little while not too too long that they weren't always beautiful i the, the whole male thing that was that was brand new to me that they could be men like i never knew that i mean granted they you know they uh they haven't been depicted as men for many a millennia at this point but um yeah the the fact that they were actually ugly and uh, you know, or, or in some accounts, hideous, and it was just about their voice. It, I, it's fairly new to me, and it was actually I was watching a show, What We Do in the Shadows, great show on FX. Um, if you, anybody hasn't seen it, definitely check it out. Great show based off the movie by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. Um, and they have an episode about a siren where they depict her as very, I mean, she has the most beautiful voice in the world and, and the, the energy vampire, Carlin Robinson is attracted to her voice, but in reality, she's just hideous looking. She just, uh, it's like, she's this hat, this woman bird hybrid that, you know, it just farts and they, you know, she's hideous. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought a lot of people, um, didn't. <laughs> didn't know this and uh because it is you know most recently she's always depicted you know the her beauty matches the beauty of her voice but that that wasn't always the case um and i found that really interesting too as well as you so it's, and that's why i, I mean Farts really drove it home for me. I just want to, I wonder what that happened. Well, I, you know, I was about to say some more and I was like, ah, you don't need to get too like crude as to what what else and I like because I was about no, to be like, but this this and that and I was like oh farts are funny so I can throw that in there <laughs> so. I like it I like it um but so I just I want to backtrack just a smidge and yeah, it's yeah, less about the siren and more just about just a little bit of imagery and I yeah. want to get clarification because in my head I went to the grossest place humanly possible and you said um that they like to bathe and drink under the, I think it's said the afternoon sun or something like that yeah. from from this river, right? Are they drinking from are they drinking from the river? Ugh. That's that was 
What and that and I had the same thing. I'm just like, who? No. Like, I don't know like, how safe that is. Um, no. But yes, that's a, that in 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 the in the uh, research I was doing. Yes, it seemed like they were drinking from what they were bathing in. And, no, uh, like just sitting there with a straw, <laughs> washing my butt and drinking the. Ugh. Okay, that's awesome. I'm yes, glad uh, you got that clarified because I'm sure I'm sure everyone else wants that image in their head too. So you're welcome. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. But I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, drinking. Oh, God. Mm. No, nope. wow. that's uh, that's Ugh. okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm super excited to talk about my haunting. It's a really short one, but I oh, I friggin' love it. Time for the haunting. And nice. the ghost that I'm gonna end up talking about is is probably one of my favorites now so far. Um, I'm gonna actually talk about the Omni Grove Park Inn. Have you ever heard of that? No, no, I have not actually. Okay, so it was designed by Edwin Wiley Grove, and he began designing it in 1911, and it. They finished construction just three days shy of its opening on July 12th of 1913. Three days shy. Can you imagine cutting a deadline that close? Like, oh, yeah, we'll be done. Three days. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So this took 400 men working 10-hour shifts six days a week to finish. That's that's huge. And, and again, 1913, they didn't have what we have now. It's not just this... Yeah. You know, not that it's easy now, but I, I can't even imagine in again cutting it that close to a deadline in 1913 is mm. mind blowing. Yes. So Edwin Wiley Grove had some health problems, mainly lung problems. He had the constant bronchitis, amongst other things. And the doctor actually recommended that he spend time in the mountains of Asheville. He would do that, and he would feel better, and he would then build the Omni Grove Park Inn. Hmm. Sound hmm. familiar? Yes, it right. does. Yeah, it it, it does. Uh, a little bit like the Stanley Hotel, maybe? Yep. There's something about the mountains, apparently. So, you know, me and my asthmatic butt are going to be moving to the mountains, because apparently that's where <laughs> you go. Um, but yeah, very similar to the Stanley. I'm glad you said it, because it's... It was just screaming in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I, I love it. Um, after it was built, it spent part of its life as an actual internment site for World War World War II. And although they were prisoners, they were actually they actually got five star treatment. They were even allowed to shop around in town as long as they were supervised. So can you imagine that? Wow. That yeah. It's That's huge. It's it's it really is. It's it's super crazy and it's and it's something that I don't think I don't think we ever see or heard, at least I haven't, that side of it. Like that we know we had prisoners, we know they had prisoners, but five star treatment in a beautiful inn and shopping around town? Like that's crazy yeah, to me, but that is very crazy. That is very crazy. So after World War II was over, it would then become a redistribution center for the military, which is where soldiers would stay between their assignments. So that's kind of neat. It's a, 
yeah. kind of an interesting life for an Indu have had. Uh, now I want to talk just a little bit about the um, the guests that have stayed there, some of the more prominent ones. Actually, a ton of presidents have stayed there, which is... Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you have Presidents Taft, Truman, Kennedy, Johnson, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, and even President Obama stayed there. So that recently, you see, all the way from Taft to Obama. It's wow. huge. That's crazy. Right? And then you have um, some other notable, notable guests that stayed there. You have Thomas Edison, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and Henry Ford even stayed there. Holy shit. Right. Language, but geez. <laughs> it was so shit worthy. I get it. It was definitely <laughs> worthy. Um. So yeah, no, it's and it's funny because so now you're now you gotta backtrack a little and and think about what I said. It's it was a, an internment site. It was a redistribution center. It part of the property that is built on was a tuberculosis hospital. There's there's just so much history there. But the haunting that everybody talks about, the haunting that you really just, that you hear about when you hear about this inn is the haunting of the pink lady. And that's, I'm not even kidding. You can research, you might find little things here and there, but you're really only going to find the pink lady. And I, and I, and I kind of love that she stands out above all of the good, possibly bad or whatever. She sticks out. So the pink lady was said to have died in the early 1920s. Her death could have happened one of three ways. It was either accidental, it was a suicide, or even possibly murder. And obviously we're, none of those are good options, but yeah. it's pretty bad. So it was said that she was having a relationship with a married man, possibly. Again, this is all speculation. I don't know. I have not met her. But that is a, that is her backstory, or thought to be her backstory. It is said that he broke it off with her and... This would lead to her death. She was staying in room 545, and it had a balcony. So one way or another, she ended up going over the balcony. So whether he pushed her, she jumped, or she fell, that's how it happened. I have a tendency to lean towards she didn't fall, only because when you think of a balcony, that's got to be really hard to fall off of a balcony like that, unless you're being kind of ridiculous but yeah um, the pink lady however despite being obviously very tragic very sad however it happened it's awful um she's not your typical haunting she's not a sad scary moaning you know heart-wrenching haunting she's actually good-natured and she likes to she's a little playful and she likes to kind of pull pranks and play with lights and air conditioners and shut things off and, and the opening and closing doors, which is, you know, pretty normal. But one of my favorite things that she does is if you're sleeping in this hotel and one of your feet come out of the blanket, she likes to give you a little tickle right on the foot. <laughs> yeah! Yes, I know. Right. I love it. I absolutely. And it's adorable. Like how it's obviously it's creepy because if you're laying there in the middle of the night and something tickles your foot, you're like, Oh, what touched me? But, really thinking about it from the outside it's kind of cute I, I love it i love it, it it's it's yeah, yeah like it's it's not scared i mean yeah you might get startled but it's it's not like malicious or anything like that and that's that's no, cute just a little gucci gucci that's you know yeah. just a little that's fine um so 
one other really cool claim, and it's actually a claim amongst many of the child guests, so not just one, multiple children guests actually have the same memory. I wouldn't even say it's a claim because I don't know that they even realize it's a claim, it's a memory. But they remember playing in the corridors with a playful lady in a pink dress. But the adults don't remember this. Wow. Yeah, right? I know. It's that, like, I got, like, some goosebumps just thinking about that. And um, that's cool. finally, in the 1990s, it was actually investigated by paranormal teams. And all of the evidence they found really actually pointed to the pink ladies there. She's, you know, it's, they had many interviews, guest accounts, and even their own evidence collected with their equipment. It's, they feel as though it was proved that she was there. That's awesome. Isn't that so neat? I love it. I love it. Before, I don't want to cut you off. Is is there more? Go ahead. No, no, that's it. I love it. What a good story. I, I love when we find these sort of playful haunts as opposed to, you know, of course, I love the, the scary haunts. We all do. We love that feeling of being scared, that that sort of oh, yeah. feeling. But I also love these just like ha- happy haunts almost. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so the first thing, I, I you know, I, I, I write notes. So uh, uh, the parallel to the Stanley Hotel. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess that was common back then. They, they believe weather played a big deal, you know, you know, with people that had lung issues would move, you know, Colorado, wherever, you know, these doctors would be like, you need to move here. That's the cure. And uh, it's, uh, so, uh, yeah. So the, the parallel to the Stanley Hotel, which love Stanley Hotel too. So I know you're a, mm-hmm. you're a big fan uh of it um the the other another thing i really liked um is the whole kids see it yes but the parents don't remember because we've touched a little bit on this and there's the people do speculate that kids are more perceptive when there's theories out there that imaginary friends are you know, actually, it could actually be spirits and stuff like that, because kids are just, they're more receptive, more open, more innocent. So they, uh, you know, operate on, can operate on different planes and everything. So I love that aspect. And it kind of reminded me a little of like hugging <laughs> Molly, oh, right? Yeah. Is Molly hugging Molly? It was uh, hugging Molly. Yeah. Where the, it was the kids and only the kids could see it and stuff. And I just love that sort of thing where it's like, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it sounded like it was, you know, more than just one, you know, lots of kids could actually see this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I, I love that aspect of it too. And then just, she tickles feet. Like. I, how like, do you not love that? It's, it's, again, it's adorable. I mean, it's, it's, it's sweet. It's playful. It's not malicious. It's just like, hi, I'm here. And it's just, it's, there's a sweetness to it. And I, and I absolutely love it. I do too. It's, uh, yeah, no, this, that was a lot of fun. I, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Never heard of it. And then also, uh, it's, um, you said Asheville, right? Yeah. And my, in the sirens just east of Asheville, right in, right in that area. So, small little world and we did not plan that guys we do our nope. we do our research on our own that's kind of like the fun of the show you know we do our own research and then we kind of present it to the other person to 
you know, see their reaction and what they think. So it was, uh, so that was kind of cool too. So I, I loved it. Great story. Great, great story. Great aunt. Great. I actually want to add a personal yeah. thing, if you don't mind, really yes. quick to, to this, because it, it's, um, I'm reading this and the, the thing with the children stuck out and it stuck out with Hug and Molly, but it, it, this time it's, it's the second time now I have to, I have to tell this story. It's really short, but it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was about four or five years old and we, uh, my dad and my mom, we were going to my grandmother's. She's having some sort of a, some sort of a get together. I don't remember what it was. Again, it was four or five years old. I don't really remember why, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, the whole family was there and some friends from the apartment complex she lived in, but all people that everyone was very familiar with, everyone knew each other. And I spent, and I'm telling you right now, plain as day, I remember the kid I was playing with. I remember her. She had a little white dress on, she had blonde hair. I, I can remember how she sounded. I remember her eyes. I remember everything. And I and I spent the entirety of that party playing with her and just oh, hanging yeah. out with her. And we were causing ruckus and running around the house and and everything. And um uh a couple years go by and we're getting and she's having another one of those whatever the event was. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked her if, and I can't remember the girl's name oddly enough, but I remember everything else. I can't, and I asked her if so-and-so was coming and she's like, what? Who's so, who, who is whatever the name was. And I'm like, I, I don't know the girl I was playing with. And she's a, uh, my grandmother informed me that I was the only kid there of my age. And that the girl I was talking about was Whoa. not there. And everybody Whoa. assumed I was playing with my imaginary friend wow that is right wow and you're like and you you just assumed everybody could see the uh, the you know like it's, yeah that's wild because it's like it's like i remember my brother had a imaginary friend and at yep. first it he was shocked that we couldn't see him you know but by you know as you know as you know it progressed or whatever it was he loved that he was the only one that could see, you know what I mean? And like, so, and uh, so that's wild. You thought everybody, you know, was witnessing and like. And I never hung out with her before that or after that. It was literally just there, just that day. So wow. yeah, very strange. And I, I'm telling you, I, I remember, I remember, I remember playing with her. I remember, I, I remember like we were like, hiding under the bed and running around the house and like, and like almost tripping people as we're running by. Cause we're, you know, three feet tall and everybody else is five feet tall and we're just running and causing trouble. And yeah, it's just me. Wow. That's, Oh, I love stories like that. That's wild. That yeah. is, that's, that's wild. That's um, again, kids, like they say, they say they're um, yeah. You know, they're very perceptive and um mm -hmm might be able to operate on multiple planes or whatever so that's wow that's really cool love it yeah well i sorry for the derail but uh no right, so. no not at all no that's a great like i'm glad <laughs> you, you brought that up because no that's uh that's part of it it's just a, a personal experience you know so time for the strange encounter so yeah so i have the strange encounters this week and uh a little bit different than some of our other ones. Um, have you heard of the Brown Mountain Lights or sometimes called the Ghost Lights of Brown Mountain? 
literally only in name. Like I think I I may have read a caption or something real quick, but it's it sounds familiar, but I I can't really place any details. See, I I was the same. I kind of had like I had heard it, so a passing familiarity, but didn't know details about it. I just like heard of these lights, these ghost lights, or whatever. So. All right. Again, a little different than some of our other strange encounters. Um, so the first published account or mention of the lights date back to 1912. But um, local stories possibly date back as far as the 1840s. Uh, described as mysterious lights seen just above the horizon every night behind Brown Mountain, red in color, and appearing punctually at 7.30 p.m. and again at 10 p.m., plus or minus about a half hour, but usually within a half hour either way of those of 7.30 p.m. and 10 p.m. Others have uh, described it as uh, either like a red explosion or um, red balls of fire. So... Um, so with uh, public sightings increasings, increasing, locals asked their congressmen to investigate because guess what? It's 1912 and they, you can go to your congressman and be like, yeah, there's ghost lights you need to look at. Uh, yeah. So in 1913, the U.S. Geological Survey em employee D.B. Sterrett was dispatched to investigate. Sterrett quickly found that the headlights of the westbound Southern Railways locomotive would have been visible and created this anomaly. After further investigation into the train schedules, he said he was left with no doubt the trains created it. So, uh-oh, we got a we we got an actual explanation. But in July of 1916, a massive flood caused train activity to cease for several weeks. And according to George Anderson Lovin, owner of the Lovin Hotel, is... Um... Oh. oh, no. That's, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Sorry. I, that sounds no, I... like where you would rent for an hour to... Yes, it's uh, but it's actually not. That is is just a, his name is L O V E N. But I get I get it too. Yes, it does sound like you can you can rent by the hour if you need to type of place. So owner of the Lover Hotel. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, the, the lights were still visible during this time. Many of his guests actually just went stayed at this hotel specifically to witness the lights and. Uh, all the guests continued to see him during this uh, while the trains were working for the several weeks. So locals became unhappy and, uh, you know, not believing the findings of Sterrett demanded a new investigation. So some years passed, but in 1922, the United States uh, Geological Survey uh, sends a, a Mr. Mansfield out to investigate again. And as part of his investigation, he actually sets up multiple cameras and he has Adelaide telescopes and uh, he's trying to be pretty scientific about it and is uh, it, way more scientific than the Starrett. I mean, granted, it is years later. Technology, I'm sure, is a little bit better. Um, so he sets these things up 
And after investigating for several months, he was out there for quite a few of quite some time, he concluded that it it was the lights from the trains coupled with other artificial lights like cars, trucks, homes, stuff like that. All this we 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 now kind of call city lights and so I why in cities you don't see stars and stuff like mm -hmm. that. That uh that was his conclusion. And for a short amount of time, it, uh, it seemed to calm everything down, but it, it continued to happen and many still don't believe it for one reason or another, um, you know, whatever it is, but a lot of people don't believe it. Um, and just, I thought this was kind of interesting in the early days of the sightings, you know, the 1800s up through the early 1900s, it was thought to be um some sort of like ghost light and deal with ghost spirits apparitions demons something like that that's kind of what people if they thought it was paranormal that was the the way they they were leaning but uh as the decades pass and especially as we're getting into the 40s and 50s and uh you know the war of the world's broadcast uh, radio broadcast and everything the uh public sentiment started changing and people now and to this day there's actually a recent documentary on it uh believe it's more extraterrestrial maybe in nature and uh you know one of the most common beliefs is that there is actually an alien extraterrestrial alien base within mount brown and the lights are their ships coming out to go investigate so that is the Brown Mountain Lights. Was it was it New Mex Arizona, New Mexico that had the the base in the mountain too? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So there was. We had. Oh wait a minute. So we had. I'm glad you brought a good good tie-in. Great tie-in. So we actually had the base in Alaska. Remember oh, there was that, I one, about that one. That because there was a couple bases. Now that you bring it up, and then there was another base that was either it was either Nevada or New Mexico. I can't remember <sighs> which one it was. But I just as you said, the one the one that I think we're both thinking about, Nevada, New Mexico, somewhere in there. Um, I just remembered about the one in Alaska that we talked about too, in the in the mountain. But that's such a cool I love that. That is an a yeah, I totally forgot about Alaska. That's yeah, that's I, I love that. The, the right base in the mountain is oh, yeah. I love it because I was going, I was thinking about the other base. Uh, I think that's the one you were talking about where the guy had his finger shot off in, in the underground, and yep. yeah, that was he. It was either Nevada or New Mexico. I want to say New Mexico, I think that one was New Mexico. Yeah, but, it sounds uh, right, but uh. Yeah, that's a great, great tie right there because that's what I I had thought of with the base too. So um, that's so that's so cool. That's it, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's a that's a great story. It's funny because like I said, I've I've heard the name, but I never really. Can you imagine how scary? Would you say it was like nineteen twelve, nineteen thirteen? Yes, nineteen twelve was the first published. Uh, some sightings go back to the eighteen forties. So. Oh. Can you like, imagine I, how scary it would be back then? I mean, it's scary now, but like, can but, you imagine back then before anything yeah. really like big technology wise happened? Can you imagine seeing that? That would, that's jarring. That's scary. 
yeah it's like i always think about that and that's a great point it's just like why would these people think if they like saw something you know what i mean would they would their heads explode if they saw you know somebody from george washington if he saw if he saw a fucking computer or a phone even you know yeah. never mind an alien just that would his head explode you know now mm-hmm. think about it. if you're seeing these lights and stuff that's a great point and it's you know 19 like do you just go crazy do you just go mad you know it's like because there's nothing like yeah. it there's i mean electricity is still new at that point it's i mean pretty much everything's still steam powered in the early 1900 i mean it's mm-hmm. it's we're getting more technologically advanced but it's still like i mean lights are new the tv's not even invented yet it's i mean this is uh yeah that's got to be terrifying that's a great point like it's got to be just oh man oh man yeah i know it's it is it really it really is it's it's very it's it's cool to think about it and yeah no i absolutely how would the head not explode it would pull out a phone which is i i have my whole my whole life is on my phone everything everything yeah. i need is on my phone and it's yeah that's no uh, so great Great story, great pick, great choice. That is, that is awesome. Good, I'm glad you liked it because like I said it's a little different, and but it's uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a fun little story. You got anything else for me today? No, that's it. All right. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in and join us next week when we set up camp in Connecticut. Until then, happy camping. Thanks, Bye. guys. As always, our hosts would like to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at ScareYourPantsOffPod, no spaces, or on Twitter, ScareYourPantsOffPodcast. Or send us an email with questions, comments, and fan art to ScareYourPantsOff9 at Gmail. See you next time.